Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Anju Gangarde, Executive Editor for the Asia-Pacific Region with Script and Pink Sheet. And today I have with me Petro Terblanche, who is the Managing Director of Afrogen Biologics, a South African biotechnology company which made headlines after it developed an mRNA COVID-19 vaccine candidate based on publicly available Moderna data. Afrogen Biologics is part of consortium selected to run the WHO-backed mRNA vaccine technology hub initiative, which will serve all low- and middle-income countries. Within this consortium, Afrogen is mandated to establish mRNA vaccine production technology, while the South African Medical Research Council provides the research part, and BioVac, a South African vaccine producer, is the first manufacturing spoke, so to speak. Now, just yesterday on Feb 23rd, the WHO announced that more countries will receive support from the global mRNA hub in South Africa, including Bangladesh, Indonesia, and Vietnam. While it also announced the establishment of a global biomanufacturing training hub in South Korea that will serve all low and middle income countries that want to produce biologicals, including vaccines and monoclonal antibodies. Thank you so much, Petro, for your time today. Anju, thank you very much for reporting on this story. And to all the listeners, uh, I hope you'll find it interesting and I'm looking forward to engage. Thank you, Petro. So let me begin with the recent milestone achievement where researchers at Afrogen had, within months of accessing the requisite equipment, done the end-to-end process and gone from the raw reagents all the way through to having an mRNA vaccine candidate. So could you take us through some of the key parts of the journey? Surely it wasn't a you know kind of a cakewalk and uh, we all know that the hub didn't really have any help from the ma- major COVID vaccine producers. Anju, thank you. This is amazing journey and this is testimony to the science Uh, scientific excellence in South Africa. So the scientists from University of the Witwatersrand and Afrigen has has some experience working with with RNA and mRNA formulations, uh, understanding vaccines, understanding research and development. That basic understanding combined with information in the public domain, uh, in publications, um, in reports, um, were were compiled, carefully studied, and on paper, vaccines were the vaccine were designed, the workflows outlined, and when the team went into the labs in October. 2021 uh, after a design of that of the sequence and receiving the plasmid back construct the sequence constructed the team with a period of two months managed to make this proof of concept vaccine candidate here in south africa the vaccine candidate is based on the moderna sequence 1273 originally published by stanford university in the united states and the team has now completed the full end-to-end process to make this vaccine at laboratory scale. Thank you, Petro. That's an impressive effort. And I guess it's a huge moment for scientists in Africa. So if I can just stick with the collaboration bit. Now, during the course of the development of the mRNA vaccine candidate, uh, we believe that researchers at the US NIH also conducted 
you know, had conducted early work on mRNA vaccines and they apparently chipped in to help Afrigen. How valuable were those insights and did it really help shorten the learning curve in some way? Andrew, this it is a proud moment for science in South Africa, but at the same time, we are grateful and we give recognition to scientists in many organizations across the world that contributed. We were able to ask questions. We were able to engage with the NIH, with the VRC group around specific questions. We were able to engage with scientists in Australia, in Europe, um, and, and of course in, in, in Africa, other Africa countries. A tremendous effort that we've seen in the last six months where, when signed, where scientists with unlimited concerns about sharing shared with us knowledge. We were able to ask questions and we were able to be guided. It was very helpful for us. It's fast track us because if you think about it, two months in the lab is a short period of time. And that would have not been possible if it wasn't for existing knowledge base that was shared with us. So clearly, uh, I mean, unprecedented collaboration to share good science and get the world out of this devastating pandemic. Uh, let me also touch upon the other bit. You know, there's been a lot of discussion around the need to share technology. So have Moderna or Pfizer-BioNTech reached out in any way to assist even in this late hour? Because it could really help them avoid public and potentially some shareholder questions towards their actions going forward. And we all know experts have underscored that no one is really safe from SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus and its variants until everyone is safe. Andrew, uh, unfortunately and quite honestly, uh, we have not received any help from Moderna or uh, Pfizer-BioNTech. Uh, we have reached out to them um, and there were some discussions, but they, there's, there's no substantial participation or contribution. We still hope that one of these two or both of these organizations will collaborate with us because what we've created here in South Africa is a platform. It is a platform, yes, that is suitable for COVID-19 vaccine as a catalyst, but it's a platform that's designed to make other vaccines that's of value and relevant to the high to the burden of disease um, in low and middle income countries. And there is so much room for collaboration that I still hope that those organizations will reach out to assist us to fast track in some instances our platform creation and our product portfolio. We have, however, find organizations in Canada and in the US, also private companies that has mRNA vaccines in development that does reach out to us. And I'm happy to tell that we are in discussions with a number of them and we hope to set up collaborative research and development agreements with those entities. And that partnership demonstrates again that that private sector and public sector can work together in an inclusive partnership for the better of mankind. Absolutely. That's really interesting that, you know, other companies have reached out and things are moving. So, uh, you know, what exactly are the next current steps underway to take the hub's effort forward and scale up and have companies in countries like India and China, which have rich experience and capability in vaccines and also now in the mRNA space, are they kind of up to offering any assistance or will it be you know south africa's biovac which will essentially handle all the scale up part so Angie, the first scale up will happen by afrigen 
We have to scale now from lab scale to clinical trial scale, in other words, from microliters to liters. Uh, that scale up complete technology package will be then transferred to BioVac and to the other 13 spokes that's already been appointed by the WHO. We have challenges in the scale up. There are some of the design parameters, there's some of the of the in-process control parameters, there's some of the quality control, quality assurance parameters that we, we are uncertain of. We need to confirm those. And very important, we must optimize the scale up and optimize the final formulation because we have to have a vaccine that's not only safe and effective, but it must also be affordable. So we have to work around uh, optimization to ensure that the cost of goods are kept as low as possible. And we again, we hope that we will get inputs and support from those companies that already has done it to uh, guide us to fast track and to meet the target that we've set to make a vaccine for Africa, COVID, for low middle income countries that's safe, affordable, and effective. So would that include, uh, you know, talks with companies around China and India? Yes, Anju, I'm sorry, I missed I miss that question. In, it's interesting, we have, uh, there was some outreach from companies in India um, that are also leading, although their platforms are different. We are a modified RNA platform. Some of the other platform platforms are self-amplifying, but it's the same goal and the same target. And then interesting, we've had outreach from China around equipment, raw material uh, supplies, and we hope that in time also we will continue to have technological discussions with our counterparts in China and India. That's really interesting. So truly a global kind of collaboration is underway. But uh, if I may ask you realistically, what kind of timelines are we talking of in terms of potential commercialization? And does South Africa's regulatory agency have the regulatory pathways in place? And then there is also the other bit on, you know, advanced market commitment to make such efforts sustainable. Is there anything happening there as well? That's a very good question, Anju. Let me take the, uh, the timelines, realistic. Uh, we are uh, on, on, on target with our milestones to be able to, to be ready to go into phase one clinical trials by the end of this year. Of course, we need to still complete some of the safety and tox studies in preclinical settings, and that will guide us in terms of the design of our clinical program. But with the knowledge we have now and where we are, we would be on target. Uh, to go to clinic in, in end of the year. Then the clinical development program may be a full program, phase one, phase two, phase three, and that will take 36 months, or depending on how comparable this vaccine candidate of ours are with the Moderna vaccine, we may be able to fast track that. At this point, we cannot tell. The time will tell as the data becomes available. Your second question on regulatory, good news, you know, South Africa, SAPRA is busy with their process to reach MR3 status. All indications are that they will, in the first quarter of this year, reach their MR3 regulatory status. That is essential in the ecosystem to be able to fast track also the licensing of our facility. You can understand that we cannot produce uh, any vaccine in our facility if we have not been fully licensed GMP and therefore the SAPRA reaching MR3 status is very important to us. 
although you also understand that WHO is working very closely for us to ensure that we also meet WHO qualifications. In terms of the market, very important question. This vaccine hub is part of a network which will include maybe 23 or 24 different companies in low and middle income countries, all gearing towards localizing manufacturing for mRNA-based vaccines. The market shaping and the procurement systems um, are incredibly important component of this initiative. To ensure sustainability and financial viability, we will have to look at markets, look at how we reshape the procurement systems for vaccines in low and middle income countries. We believe this is going to be a game changer. And we believe that different governments will be committed to procure from their own localized companies as a preferential procurement. But again, there is a lot of work to be done in the next two, three years to, to ensure that this happens. If it doesn't, we will not reach the goal of socioeconomic development benefits associated with localizing the production of, of vaccines in low and middle income countries. I can just mention that the African Union has done significant work around these strategies and policies for the continent to ensure that, that the ecosystem that is created on the continent will be conducive and supportive for local manufacturing. Absolutely. So we need the right ecosystem and also market forming to you know, propel this initiative. So Petro, let us also touch on the IPR issue bit. You know, it is seen by some as a potential trouble spot. Now, while the mRNA vaccine from the hub initiative is expected to be second generation, one perhaps with greater thermostability, which will be more suitable for LMICs, does Afrigen anticipate any big pharma legal action or roadblocks down the line, given the labyrinth of patents typically involved in such cases? So the IPR landscape, Andrew, is very complex. I think this is the one, the one part that challenges all our cognitive capabilities. It is there are many players, there are many patents, there are composition patents, there are process patents, there are design patents. It's a very complex landscape. But there are for low and middle income countries, there are a few patents that we will have to be very carefully work with. So the WHO and the mRNA hub with the network will not infringe intellectual property. We have taken a position from day one that we respect intellectual property. We will use the tools available to ensure freedom to operate. And some of those tools are waivers. And you know, there's a lot of discussion around waivers. Others would be voluntary licensing. That's our preferred route to give us durable and long-term uh, freedom to operate. An alternate, alternative to this compulsory licensing. Uh, the European Union has made a statement around compulsory licensing last week. We know that South Africa is working very hard to get exemptions, uh, to get waivers, and that, that we're progressing quite well on that. And that the medicines patent pool who is managing this complex intellectual property landscape for the mRNA hub is looking at voluntary licenses. In short, we, we hope that intellectual property will not be a, a hindrance to allow us to reach the goals of this project 
and that being to create freedom to operate for low and middle income countries to manufacture their own vaccines. So that's really interesting. So there are many approaches to handle the complex IP scenario, and clearly this isn't about overriding patents for sure. So uh, finally, Petro, if I can just get to the, you know, the big picture question. mRNA technology is adaptable and has immense potential for other diseases beyond COVID-19. Uh, we know its potential in HIV, probably tuberculosis and malaria. Now, does Afrigen hope to take its efforts way beyond COVID-19? We've already heard uh, Moderna itself is working on three new mRNA development programs, including one against the herpes simplex virus, a new checkpoint cancer vaccine, and it already has a vaccine candidate in development against HIV. So is Afrigen also looking way beyond COVID-19? And you absolutely we are. We have created a platform here, and the platform is created to be enabled to make the best and utilize mRNA platforms to be able to make multiple vaccines for, for different diseases. So we are already led by the South African Medical Research Council, the foremost health research entity on the African continent, looking at partnerships that will enable us to take immunogenicity targets for diseases of importance to low and middle income countries. HIV is a high priority. TB is a high priority for us. Lassa fever, uh, malaria is a, is a very high priority. The, the shingles herpes simplex would be a fantastic um, invention to, to move through the clinic. So we again hope that Moderna will collaborate with us on some of these targets. At the same time, we are setting par up partnerships with the United States, with Europe, even with Australia, and in discussion with Malaysia recently to look at other targets and to utilize this very versatile mRNA platform in a collaborative manner to develop new vaccine candidates. So absolutely, it is the long-term sustainable goal for us, and that's why mRNA is so attractive as a platform for low- and middle-income countries. Those are some really important insights into the work underway at Afrigen. Clearly, Petro, there's a lot riding on Afrigen and your shoulders. So all the very best and thank you so much for your time today. And you thank you for all the support and to all the listeners. We are getting enormous support across the globe. We will not disappoint. Uh, work with us and thank you very much. Thank you, Petro.